Good morning, everyone. Is this on? Yeah. Fantastic. September 11th, 2022, exactly 21 years after one of the most horrendous events in the U.S. history. And I was there, and everyone that's my age will remember where you, if you're young, you might not remember where you were. Where you're three, Gavin was three years old at the time, so he may not remember what he was doing as that three-year-old. But I remember the feeling I had when my administrator's uh, uh, wife said, uh, Esteban, Esteban, los torres gemelos, los torres gemelos. Like I said, what? The, the twin, the towers, twins, the, what are you talking? Finally, she, in, in exasperation, said, turn on the TV. And when I turned on the TV, I saw this plane, the second plane, come crashing into the second tower. And I thought to myself, God, what is happening? But I experienced something. The, the United States experienced something for a brief moment in time where that tragedy of nearly 3,000 people and the horrific events, the United States found its common humanity in community for a brief second. And that community that was drawing all kinds of people of diverse backgrounds together for just a brief second disappeared. But there is a desperate need for community, but the kind of community that's sustained by God the Father beyond just historical events like 9-11. And today I have the privilege of talking about community. And as we talk about small groups, you have the opportunity to renovate yourself, to come alive to what God wants to do in and through this church, through small group community. I think of a gal who was tremendously impacted by community. Her name was Dulce. For those that speak Spanish, Dulce means sweet, but her life was anything but sweet. She lived with her mother and her mother's live-in boyfriend. They lived in a house where there's constant fighting and unbridled anger, fighting all the time. The, the feeling is tense in her home. She lived in a community that was filled with victimhood, that was, had long-standing grievances against the government and against each other, and a divisive, dysfunctional community called Atamayor in the Dominican Republic. This 10-year-old girl was tired of the strain and the pressure. And in her innocence, without knowing God, she said, God, if you're real, I want one thing in my life. I want peace. Evidently, during that time, God heard her prayer. Her mom's living boyfriend moved away from the family and she, in fact, had peace, but now her family was absolutely destitute, no income, no way to sustain themselves. Her brother and her and her mother were desperate. Her mom moved her into a, an abandoned house at the end of the street. It had a gaping hole in the house. It had dirt floors. There was absolutely nothing desirable about that house. And pretty soon they became squatters in this house. They had no rights. They had no hope. They had no future. The mother was without an education, didn't have a means of, of supporting herself, so she, she bought candies in the store and went out and daily sold candies to strangers in the store. And every day she hoped that she would bring home enough peso to buy rice and beans for 10-year-old Dulce and for her brother and her to sustain one more day of living her mother would come back tired. Dulce had been watching her brother all day long. 
One day as Dulce was sweeping the dirt floor of the house that got muddy from the rain that came down from the gaping hole, she made a desperate prayer to a God she didn't know. She said, God, if you're real, I have one more prayer request. Could I go to school like every other boy or girl? In the Dominican Republic, they wear uniforms and they have to have shoes. If you're extremely poor, you don't have money for uniforms and shoes. So the mother said, no, we can't afford it. But shortly after that time, in that divisive, dysfunctional community, there was one community that was different. It was the Assemblies of God Church down the street from that Bennett house. And the women of that church were having a revival. So they were knocking door to door and inviting people to come to the revival. They came and they invited uh, Margarita, the mother, and Dulce to this women's revival. And when they got there, the mother and Dulce found that the community was a, a vibrant community of believers. There was something different about this group. They loved each other. They prayed for each other. They actually enjoyed being together. And it was obvious when they went to the revival that there was something going on. They were animated when they talked about this person, Jesus Christ, as if Jesus were part of their daily lives. And finally, when they made the altar call, the Spirit of God drew Margarita and Dulce forward, and they were crying and laughing, and they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Pastor Marcus was the pastor of that church, and he came up for the first time, and, and he said he wanted to meet these people. For the first time, their face was shining like they had hope. Pastor Marcus was getting to know Dulce, and he said this, Hey, Dulce, hi. Good to meet you. How old are you? Ten years old. Where do you live? And Dulce hung her head. She pointed to that abandoned home at the end of the street and said, Sir, I, I live in that street. No. He could hardly believe it. No. Where do you go to school? Sir, my brother and I can't afford to go to school. We don't go to school. And all of a sudden, Pastor Marcus, something righteously indignate, in, in, of indignation came up. He says, No, that's not right. We have a Christian school. Tomorrow, you're going to be enrolled in our school. And don't worry about tuition or uniform or shoes. We will provide. You are now part of our family. We believe God has a special purpose and a plan for your life. Overnight, Dulce, a 10-year-old without hope, was infused with the hope that came because a community of believers believed in Jesus Christ that came together. Hallelujah. The mother started going to church. She started working in the church. She became an active member of the church. She, member, she married a member of the church, and she had a vibrant change of life. Her life got established by what happened. But what happened to Dulce was even more profound. Dulce went to school. She graduated high school. She had an opportunity to go to the university. She went to the university. And now she had, for the first time in her life, in a poor community at the Mayor, she had the, 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 the opportunity to be rich by that standard because now she had a university education. So I went to Dulce. I said, Dulce, what are you going to do now that you've graduated from the university? And this is what she said. Pastor Esteban, my, my, name, in, my name is English is Dale. ¿Cuánto de habla en español? My name translates hit him. So I use Esteban, my second name. She goes, uh, uh, Pastor Esteban. She said, when I was a 10-year-old without hope, this community of believers came knocking at my door. They reached out to me. They offered me love, 
They offered me acceptance. They offered me an education. And they offered me a new life in Jesus Christ. I am part of this community. Now I'm going to teach in this school. And I'm going to give back what God has already given to me. Her life was changed by the power of God manifest in a group of people called the community of believers. Hallelujah. Sorry, I get emotional, but I love the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Now, what made the difference? Optima, you are known as a divisive, dysfunctional community, but you got this group of people that are drawn together with a separate identity. What made the difference between their community and the broader community? I believe it was because they knew who they were in Jesus Christ. They were a powerful community of believers whose identity came because they knew the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is a community of believers founded on the fact that Jesus Christ died for them, was raised from the death from them, and they live by the power of the Holy Spirit in Him. And it just happens to be found the first time in Acts the second chapter, verse 42 through 47, which is conveniently our text for this morning. Let's read, the word, let's read the Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is what it says about that community. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily, such as being saved." I listened to Pastor Brian's uh, sermon last week, and there's no way that I can improve anyway on it. But it describes the power, the dynamic of what was going on in that community. I'm asking God to give a kind of an application, a missional application to this message today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that the Holy Spirit come in and invade our space. I pray that my heart, my ears, my, my, li my life would be aligned with the power of the Word of God, that it would penetrate the soul and the spirit, Lord, divide, divide the bone and the marrow, even hearing the Word of God would transform me. And Lord, I pray that we I would respond to the message of God by the Holy Spirit today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me give you kind of a, a track that we're going to run on today. We are going to, number one, I was asked to do this message, which is on community, and I'm a missionary, so I thought, okay, that's kind of out of my context. Until I saw the context, it is a missional text, this context. So I'm going to develop the missional part of it, how it came about. And number two, I'm going to ask the question, what made community, this community, so strong? My assertion is that, that by the power of God, it was a transformed community, it was a selfless community, and it was a divinely inspired and sustained community. So let's go on the missional track. This group of people got birthed or got together in what it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now the day of Pentecost was a Jewish feast that happened 50 days after the Passover. The Jews were all together in Jerusalem for the second feast, the Pentecost, and just had happened 50 days earlier, the Passover. 
Now, the Jews celebrate Passover to commemorate when they were slaves in Egypt and they want and they and for they they had been under bondage of slaves and their identity was slavery and 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 all of a sudden Moses comes in and gives them the sign of putting blood on the doorstops and so the death angel passed over them and it become in their mind symbolic if you will of their changed identity from a slave to a free people and it all happened with the blood of the lamb now passover had just happened and Jesus Christ had just been crucified on the cross he spilt his blood and all of a sudden, his disciples saw the resurrected Jesus Christ, and something dynamic was happening in that community at that time that was a fulfillment of everything of the Old Testament. And now, we get to the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is a festival of, of, of a harvest festival. And during that time, Jews from all over the world had gathered together and was in Jerusalem to celebrate the Old Testament festival called Pentecost. But Jesus had said to his disciples, the resurrected Jesus had said to his disciples, I'm going away, but I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, for it's to you, it's to your children, and it's to all that are far off. Everybody that's far off from Pentecost, raise your hand. We are tied together with what happened here. I am here because of what happened then you are here because of what happened then. We are intrinsically, organically tied together with the work of the Holy Spirit that happened way back then. I'm alive and I'm a missionary today because of what happened then. And Jesus said, go wait for this promise of the Father for it's for you, your children, and for all that's afar off. So let's talk about the audience. I, I just read briefly through the scripture. There's 18 different groups from 18 different nations around so the Jews that came from the entire world happened to be in Jerusalem during the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came and they were speaking in all kinds of tongues, different languages, they said, how is it that we hear every one of them speaking in our own native language? What I'm saying to you is when Pentecost came and that group was going to be formed, it was the most diverse group that you can imagine because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this was an event that God the Father was pouring out his love and birthing a group of people, a community called the church. Hallelujah. And what was the message? At the end of a long message, Peter finally says this, I want you to hear, O Israel, that God, God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and, and Messiah. Acts 2.36 so there was, there was this diverse group of people. Now listen to the response of this group of 18 different nations. When the people heard this, Acts 2, 37 through 41, when the people heard this, they were cut to heart. They had crucified their Messiah. They had been waiting for deliverance, deliverance and a new identity, and they had crucified Jesus. When they heard this, they were cut to heart. Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises to you, your children, and all who are far off, and for all on whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And all who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to that group that day. That first community was the birth of the church, it was a long time ago with a different set of people 
in a different country, but that group is why we draw our identity today. So how did that group of people happen in such an obscure place like Jerusalem for so long ago impact our life? It was a powerful community that was destined to change the world, and we're part of that change right now. Peter said this in a warning. He said, save yourself from this corrupt generation or be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of the day. I contend to you that one of the things that made the church powerful then and one of the church things that makes the church powerful today, that community, is we have to be, by the power of God, a transformed community. We don't think like the world thinks. We have a different set of thinking. So I'd like to start with, it's powerful because it was a transformed community. Acts 2, 42 through 43 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were rooting and sustaining and being inspired by the fact that Jesus Christ died for them as sinners. They were once sinners and now they're saved and they're destined for heaven. They had their identity not from their profession, not from their ethnicity, not from their divisiveness, not from their little minor groups. They had a common identity in the person of Jesus Christ raised from the dead, and they were joined together, and there was a, uh, there was a, a fellowship, a koinonia based on that. They, they talked about his death. They talked about his resurrection. They talked about the power of God in their life, and that's what they fellowshiped, and that's what they communed about. As a result, that community was filled with awe, admiration, respect, amazement, reverence, and worship. Now, I was asking myself the question, how can I talk about this community back here with Pennington right here? Pennington's main involvement with my ministry was the Dominican Republic. Let me tell you something that marked my life forever. There's a small community called Via Riba in the Dominican Republic. It is by far the armpit of the Dominican Republic. It's poor. The people are beat down. They are, they are, they are, they are, the, the young people are without a sense of hope. If you are going to be trapped in a, your set of circumstances, and if you're going to be a victim, you want to move to Via Riba. But there was this one woman in Villarriba called Lydia. And she, had, she was this godly mother of the community. And she was praying, God, just set us free. Help us to know who we are. God, help us to know. But she was praying for years. And finally, she was part of birthing a, a, a child care school, a, a Latin American child care school now called Child Hope. And she needed help. So she called me, the director of, of Latin American child care in the Dominican Republic, and said, can you help? I contacted Pennington Assembly. I said, can you help with this project? You sent a group of people to build a church. But it was way beyond a church building. Something happened during that time. This group of extranjeros de los Estados Unidos, this group of strangers from the United States came in and you reached out with so much love that there were years of prejudice against North Americans. North Americans are cold, they're, care, they, they're rich and they don't care. They judge. North Americans don't care about what's going on in the world. And, 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 and the people are upset with our presidents, upset with our culture, upset with everything. North Americans just are somebody you want to avoid. But this group of North Americans from Pennington Assembly of God came in 
and started fellowshipping with Villarriba. And in the course of time, their cultural barriers broke down, and I watched the love of God bring together diverse people of all cultures and all education, and all of a sudden, there's this dynamic of the Spirit. I was amazed that by the power of God, the transformed community of, the, of, of Pennington hit this, this hopeless community of Villarriba, and pretty soon there was this fellowship. I watched the dynamic illustration of what God was doing because something was happening back here in your community and it was being planted there. And uh, one of the funny things is that they wanted to express their gratitude to us. I don't know if I was going to say this, but this is funny. So Lydia was trying to express how, how thankful she was. So she talked to all of her Dominican friends and said, what do North American people like to eat? Oh, they like to eat hot dogs and, 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 and hamburgers. So at 7 o'clock in the morning, they cooked up, overcooked hot dogs and hamburgers, and we squeezed into this little living room here, and all of a sudden they come with, hey, we got something we know you love, hot dogs and hamburgers at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and the team members go, oh, hallelujah, thank you, thank you, Lydia, <laughs> eat, eat. <laughs> but the feeling of being together with that community Watching God and his love break down, I just commend you for it. And that feeling starts with small groups here. Reminding yourself who you are. You have a local ministry that has global impact. So that's the first step, a transformed community. Second is a selfless community. Let me read Acts, the second chapter, verse 44 through 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, the Jews from all over the world had not planned to extend their time in Jerusalem, but because of what happened with the power of the Holy Spirit, they were without the, the means to stay there, but yet they wanted to fellowship. So what happened is the believing church opened up their homes and everybody made sacrifices so God's work could go forward. Now, if you're not in love with Jesus Christ and you talk about tithes, I'm going to get you upset. But if you love Jesus Christ, sacrifice is part of your, your, your vocabulary. There's an element of sacrificial giving that defines the community of faith. I love what Mother Teresa said about this. A sacrifice must be real, must, to be real must cost, a sacrifice to be real must hurt, a sacrifice to be real must, must cause us to empty ourselves. Give yourself first fully to God, and He will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in His love than in your weakness. Isn't that powerful? If I fully love Jesus Christ, if I fully find his experience, I don't recognize that I'm giving anything because it's just a response to his love. I was trying to think of a missional illustration of where I saw sacrifice. And let me give you just this personal testimony of one of the things that happened in my life. Uh, I get to the Dominican Republic and one of our main donors, Jimmy Swaggart Falls. I lived through four years of being without funds. I get to the end of that four years and I'm totally broke. And by the miracle of God, I'm still on the field, but just broke. I'm, I'm ready to go back and try to sustain myself to, to come back for the next four years. And during that time, Pastor Silvio Guerrera de San Pedro de Macorís, one of our communities, came in and he was desperate. 
And he was, a, he was a pastor of one of our local Assembly of God churches and schools. And he said, Pastor Staven, it's in the middle of election season. The squatters are taking place, are, are taking advantage of that. And no political, uh, no political president candidate is going to say anything about it. So they're taking over a piece of property that we've, we've, we've had our sites for, we own for a school. And right now we've lost a fourth of that property because people are moving their homes there. And if we, don't get, if we don't get a foundation in tomorrow, we'll lose everything that we've saved for 20 years to buy. And what can you do? So this is missionary broke. No resources. I'm not the big time fundraiser. I'm, I'm just a pretty honest, simple kind of guy. I said, I've got to go back to the God of my source. You pray for three days and fast. I'll pray for three days and fast, and I will do something. And it was back in the days where email was like the new thing. That's how long ago it was. So I send out, and I just, I just fearfully sent out an email just explaining exactly. We're in the verge of losing about a $250,000 piece of property, and I'm desperate to get a foundation in to start a building. And I waited. And I waited. And pretty soon, emails started pouring back. And they were not what I expected. People from Pennington, members from Pennington started responding. People from, from my past started responding. A widow that I knew was desperate gave the best offering of all. And un, my, some of my unemployed friends that were desperate gave a good offering. A single woman on a very uh, limited income, and, we, and I, we knew these people, had given a, a fairly sizable check. People that were on retirement income were giving... Evidently, the Spirit of God started dealing with people that had no resources to give sacrificially beyond their resources, and when it came in, $33,000 came in on one email and saved that property, and now there's a dynamic two-story school making an impact on San Pedro de Macris. Now, I'm wondering if that widow, writing out that check that she didn't have, knew that years later... That decision to respond to the Spirit of God would have been having impact today. There is no way that she could have conceived or I could have conceived what would have happened. I had the privilege of going back to that specific school just about a month ago. My wife and I sponsor still two kids in the school, and they, they change you know, every four or five years. But one of the gals that we sponsor is Elaine Santiago Geronimo. She is a pastor's daughter. She's 14 years old. She's this gorgeous little teenage gal that absolutely loves God. When she's talking about Jesus Christ, her face is, is lighting up and she says, I want my friends to know Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking that that widow, how many years ago, responding to the love of God, did not know that this dynamic Elaine gal years later would be the fruit of what she did because it's the love of God that compels us. It's not duty, but it's the love of God. This is a sacrificial community. So how do I tie it to Pennington? I was asking the question how I tie this to Pennington. Uh, Frank will realize that one of the biggest projects we did was in a place called uh, Los Alcarizos. Four-story building in the middle of a hustle little community. It was hard to get to. It was traffic jam everywhere. And Pennington came back year after year after year after year. And after the school was, was built, I talked to the pastor of the church and I, and I was trying to convince, and he said, he said, how many thousands of people does Pennington have? Is, is it 8,000, 9,000 people? No, 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 no. 
No, seriously, Esteban, is, is it like a, is it one of those mega churches? I said, no, it's more like a middle-sized church. No, it couldn't be because we felt the impact of these people that came back. It got to the place in Pennington that, 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 that they were, that the members of the church would have the name of every member that came and have gifts for them and the gifts of people that came the year before. And they were so overwhelmed with the impact of your sacrificial giving that they were convinced, and it was hard for me to say differently, that you are not a church of, of 5,000 people. When love is involved in sacrifice, it gets amplified. Sacrificial giving, giving with the right spirit, sustains you, it empowers you, it amplifies you. When you are in community, the small groups, you start talking about yourself, you fall in love with Jesus Christ, and things happen as a result of, of your dynamic here locally. Last but not least, and this is the hardest one for me to explain, but I saw something in this passage, just, it just really thrilled me. This church back in Acts 2 was a divine, divinely sustained community. This is what the scripture said. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily more those that are being saved. There is a dynamic that the, the community is growing, that is together, but there is a real presence of the dynamic power and presence of Jesus Christ himself in that community. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In one sense, the Lord that was in that community in Acts, the second chapter is in our community today. And we're linked together with everyone that's ever responded to the message that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. We are linked together. There is power in community. When a group of people understand who they are, remind themselves of who they are in Jesus Christ, the world feels that impact. Right before Jesus Christ left, in John, the 17th chapter, I'm going to read in the, the Living Bible version, it says this, God, that Jesus is praying to the Father, my prayer for them all is that they will come, that they will be one in heart and mind, just as you, Father, and I are, are one. And just as you and I are one, Father, may they also be in us, and may they be in each other, that the world would believe that you sent me. Why does the world believe that the church has a hope, a message of hope? Because they see diverse groups of people coming together with one common identity because Jesus Christ sustains us, he inspires us, he gives us our identity, and something happens not because of our economic level or because of our race or because of our language or because of our culture. Something that goes way beyond that. And we are the church of the risen Savior Jesus Christ and when the world that's divided and broken and, and, and totally without hope sees people come together, they say, maybe there's something to this message of Jesus Christ. I love the fact the Lord added to the, uh, their number daily. In one sense, when we're in community, that community transcends who we are, where we are, or when we are. We are rooted in something eternal that transcends Pennington Assembly, Assemblies of God World Missions, everything you can think of, we are the church of the living Jesus Christ and he is present tense in our, our midst and we are the church waiting for his second coming. 
And I'm believing God that everything that's ever been faithful about your, your, your history in the Dominican Republic, everything that's happening right now in St. Kitts and Nevis, tomorrow I'm, I'm leaving to go to build a church in St. Kitts, all the things that's going on as a result of that community responding in faith to the risen Jesus Christ. Let me read just a scripture that blew my way. I'm hoping that you get the sense of the fact that it's beyond us. It's beyond Pennington. It's beyond Dale Code. It's beyond Assembly of God World Missions. It's beyond anything I can think of. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 1 through 3, a message. Just listen carefully to this message. Do you see what all this means? It's talking about the great cloud of witnesses. Do you see all this mean? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans that are cheering us on, it means that we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline in your souls. What's the context of reminding yourself that story? Small groups, growth groups, reminding yourself who you are in Jesus Christ. I am encouraging you to stay vital in your service ministry. Local, I can see you're doing a lot of things. I encourage you to be part of the worldwide global a- impact. I'm asking you at the end of the service to, to pray for, for Dale and Patty Code. We're, we got two teams we're hosting just in a couple of days. So I'm asking you to be that. But, but beyond that, I'm, I'm encouraging you to remember those people that are cheering you on, but especially as they keep their eyes on Jesus Christ, we keep on our, our eyes on Jesus Christ. So here's the conclusion of why that community was powerful. By God's power, it was a transformed community different from the corrupt generation it lived in. Our testimony of the church is we will impact the world because we are a transformed, different community. By God's power, they were a selfless community who freely gave of themselves and believed in causes greater than themselves. Thirdly, we see God's sustaining power that helps them realize that that community transcends who we are where we are and when we are, it is the Lord who's adding to the church daily here in Pennington, in St. Kitts, in the Dominican Republic, wherever God is working in Cuba. And I am personally so grateful to this community. You have been a source of encouragement to me. Your prayers have sustained Patty, Dale and Patty Code. We love you. We are, we are privileged to be part of you. And I want you to stand for a second. I've talked about community. I'm not just trying to encourage small groups. What I'm asking you to do is be part of the community of faith that started way back in Acts, the second chapter, where they reminded themselves who they were in Jesus Christ, where they fellowshiped around communion, where their identity was formed by the Holy Spirit reminding them daily of how much he suffered, but how much of victory we're living in. Now, if you've isolated your faith to be between you and God, I ask that the Holy Spirit would give you revelation that you cannot do it alone, that I cannot do it alone. We need each other. 
The world around us would, would press us into its mold. And you need a time of refreshing where you're looking at yourselves and looking at the dynamic and power of your church. And you can explode in power and influence only if you spend time with God and you spend time with each other. I'm asking God to break down any kind of hurt, any kind of, any kind of pain, any kind of bitterness that would keep you from fellowship one with each other. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, if there's hurt, there's apprehension, if there's walls, Lord, if the culture has taught us something that's not right, God, I pray that you would transcend that culture and help us to be a transformed community with an identity that's rooted in the person of Jesus Christ who loved us, who chose us before the very beginning of time, and now is calling a group of people to come into himself and come to each other. I ask that you would use this opportunity to break down any kind of walls. Lord, forgive me if I held bitterness in my heart. Forgive me if I've been reluctant to give myself to others because you first gave yourself to the Father and then to us to redeem us, to lift us up from the culture of the day, this perverse culture of the day, and to transform our minds, to help us be selfless, to have causes beyond ourselves. And Lord, you want to sustain that identity day by day in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, if you have been dealing with being isolated and Satan has worked on your life, I want you without, with every eye closed, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Something has experienced, yes. Something has happened, yes. Any other, just, God is wanting you to be more open to be, to be part of a koinonia, part of a fellowship group. I'm asking that God would do some healing right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking for healing. Healing to flow. God, I'm praying also that the Spirit of God would speak to us about being part of this fellowship. Koinonia, I'm not talking about a local church. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about the church of the living God. I'm talking about the community. God, help us to be more open to that. And Lord, we just ask for a move of the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to just thank God for everything that Jesus Christ has done. Thank God for the cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on right now. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Lord, I see you in your glory. Lord, you said we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And sometimes the community around, the culture around tells me I'm less than a, than a, a victor. But Lord, right now, I stand in my identity I stand into my identity in Jesus Christ. Lord, it's not based on age. It's not based on race. It's not based on language. It's not based on education. It's based on Jesus Christ so loved me that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. And now he's living for me and the high priest is praying for me. I'm praying that God, you just transform my heart. Open my life. Lord, free me from the, from the, the identity the world has given me and let me have my identity in Jesus Christ. I would like for you to do something now. I would like for you to pray for one another. Would you do that? I think you did that last week. But I want you to grab the person's hands to your, to your left or your right. And I want you to affirm you are a child of the living God. He loves you. Don't, don't go shy on me. I want Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit to work in your midst. You don't know if that person came to church hurting or or in pain, or, or with bitterness, or with anger, or with angst. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring peace. Father, I declare your peace right now. I declare your peace right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these brothers, for this sister. Thank you for my, for my family. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you love me. 
you've loved me with an everlasting love. God, I just pray that we would understand that we can affirm one another, that we would be part of that community that's cheering one another on. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your presence, for your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Pastor Brian, for Pastor Gavin, Lord, for the staff here. I pray, God, for a special anointing of wisdom as they lead this church into small groups, as they, 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 put, they get their roots deep in local ministry, and Lord, and the impact they have around the world. Lord, I just pray that you remind us daily of the, the destiny that you got for this church, and we praise you. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, and who you are, and what you're doing in our midst. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pastor.